Hello and welcome to this week's journalism.co.uk podcast with me, Madalina Chobanu. Today's episode is the last one for 2016, so we'll be discussing a topic that can hopefully inspire some of you in the new year, journalism side projects. What they are, when is a good time to consider starting one, and what the benefits of having a side project are. Alex Laughlin and Julia Carpenter are social media editors at the Washington Post. In April, they launched a Slack-based community called Pay Up, which they've been moderating since, where women working in technology can network, offer each other career support, and have conversations about the gender pay gap. They also use it to source ideas for stories of interest and then bring them back to the community. While they do manage Pay Up under the Washington Post umbrella, and it is related to their roles in audience engagement, Pay Up became more of a side project at work. Alex and Julia also run individual side projects, a podcast and a newsletter respectively, outside of their roles at The Post. I reached out to them to ask what inspired them to start these projects, what satisfactions they get out of it, and what advice they have for other journalists looking to start their own projects, be it a podcast, newsletter, blog, vlog, or medium publication. Alex started The Ladycast in August 2015, a podcast that goes out every other week in which she interviews women who are great at what they do, whether they successfully set up their own business or they are writers or artists. While she didn't have a lot of experience in audio before launching her podcast, it was an idea she had toyed with since she was in college, so she decided to take the plunge and hone her skills along the way. I've always really loved podcasts since high school, and I was scared like all through college to get into audio because I was so intimidated by it. And then finally, I was just walking down the street one day and I was like, you know what? Today's the day. It's time. I'm starting a podcast. It doesn't matter if I don't know how to do it. I'm going to learn. And so that's what I did. So the Lady Cast is a show where I interview women about their experiences and about their careers. And I wanted to do that because I felt like there was a lot of focus on men who were doing great things. And I really wanted to create a platform that celebrated not just women who are doing great things in their careers, but who are doing great things in their lives and really showing a diverse range of what that means for different people. So I have people who, you know, are mothers and poets and they are teachers who teach independently. But I also have people who are, you know, award-winning musicians and women who have run for office. So I really try to kind of capture the wide range of what success can mean to so many people. Alex started thinking about developing a side project when she was at university because she felt like her degree was not going to be enough to get her into her chosen field, journalism. So she advises picking a topic you are truly passionate about before jumping in and making sure you can commit to your project over an extended period of time. For a year or two, I was I didn't have a side project and I did feel like I really wanted to start one just because I had this strong desire to, to not just have my job in my life, but to have something else that kind of gave me purpose. But it took me a really long time to get to the point where I had an idea that I was really excited about and that I had time and like the mental space to do it also. And so I think that it's really important to not rush yourself when you have this desire to do this other thing. Because I think the worst thing you could do is to start a side project that you're not super passionate about, but it's just a thing that you want to do just to take up your time when you're not at work. So I think that like making sure that you have a thing that you really, really care about and that you're willing to dedicate all those hours to and knowing that you have hours, you know, some people don't have the time on the weekends or after work to do these projects. So 
getting to that point where you know that you have the excess time and also the passion to do it, I think is, is crucial for when you're starting a project. The amount of time you dedicate to your side project and how you split the workload can differ from project to project and from one individual to another. Alex prefers to spend a few hours working on the Ladycast during the weekend, but she also allows herself to be flexible with how often episodes go out and explore different formats outside of the interview style her listeners have grown accustomed to. When I'm on a really strict schedule for the Ladycast, I'll usually spend a few hours on Sunday, probably about four hours from beginning to end, producing the episode, putting it online, and then writing blog posts and writing the newsletter and kind of putting it out across the internet. That being said, I also have gotten to the point where I am not so intense about the regularity of the podcast. I think that for the first year that I did it, I was really, really dedicated to getting an episode out every other week at least, and then sometimes every week, because I think that the consistency is really important. But I got to the point, like right after I hit the anniversary, where I got really tired, and I realized I wasn't really having fun with it. And so I've given myself permission to kind of take a step back, take a break if I need it, because I know that I definitely am coming back to it. And that like gives me the energy to, to bring more creativity to the project and not just be spitting out content just for the sake of it. For the whole first year, the episodes were very consistent, like in the style, it was always, I would start with an introduction, I would do the interview, and then I would bring Julia on to talk about her newsletter. It was kind of a very simple formula that I followed for a whole year. And then I got really tired of that. So after one year, like after I hit the anniversary, I was like, you know what? this is my own thing. I'm allowed to do whatever I want with it. So I'm still doing those interview episodes. But I also did an episode where I had a woman talking about an abortion that she had. And it was much more of a like narrative style episode. I was barely in it. And I just let her tell her story. And I'm still playing with some other ideas that are less sort of one on one interviews. And I think that's just it's fun. Like it's my project. So I'm allowed to do that. To spread the word about the Ladycast and grow its audience, Alex has relied mostly on her own social media presence, alongside becoming actively involved in relevant Facebook groups and communities for podcasters. I also make sure to make it a very personal relationship with my guests. I really don't like to interview somebody and never talk to them again. So I'm always promoting them. And if they're doing anything cool with their work, I'll always promote that. And I think that's just great for creating a community. Along those lines, I've joined a lot of Facebook groups and email listservs that are for women who create things or women podcasters or just podcasters in DC. I actually joined this Facebook group a few months ago called uh, DC Podcasters. And me joining that Facebook group has led to me having my first live show at DC PodFest a couple of weeks ago. And that is crazy because that was literally me just joining a Facebook group on a whim. But when you are interacting with the community and like truly giving what you're hoping to receive, which is thoughtful feedback and promoting people in a way that's genuine and not just transactional, and you like really build a community around yourself, that I think is the most genuine and self-sustaining way to build a following. So other than the fact that you are passionate about a topic and you want to share your knowledge with others, what are some of the other reasons for starting a journalism side project? Alex explained it can help you learn a new skill that could be useful in a future job, for example, or diversify the work you do in your current role without the pressure of succeeding financially. 
One of the biggest things for me and one of the reasons I think it's most important to have a side project is that it takes pressure away from your nine to five job to give you fulfillment in every way. So if you're not totally happy in your nine to five, that's okay because you have this other thing that makes you happy and maybe it makes you money too or maybe it's your path to a new position. But also it's like a way to think of yourself as not just the person that works at the company that you work at. Like you're more than that. Like you're a fully developed, like rounded out person that's not just your job. And that's really important to me because I don't know, I just don't like to think of myself as one dimensional, I guess. And I think a lot of people don't like that. Julia also began her newsletter, A Woman to Know, in August of last year. Five days a week, she sends her tiny little newsletter, profiling an inspirational woman to know each day across politics, history, art, and more. Julia had been collecting names for the two and a half years prior to launching her newsletter. And aside from her genuine interest in discovering these women and reading about their lives, she also wanted to write more than she's currently able to do in her job. The idea behind the newsletter was I would take a handful of these and they were largely sourced in the beginning just from a note on my iPhone that I kept. Every time I would come across a woman's name and a story I didn't know, I would I would log it down there and then start doing my own research. And I was falling down all of these Wikipedia, JSTOR rabbit holes all the time anyway. And then I was like, you know what? This would be a really beautiful newsletter format. Quite literally, a woman to know every single day in your inbox, like a mini profile and then related reading and more to know. And, you know, if somebody was interested in science, then they should know more about Vera Rubin. If someone was obsessed with early women writers, then Lady Mary Ross was totally someone they should know. If it was the Olympics, why weren't we talking more about Liz Hartel and, you know, her victory in uh, horseback riding? So there were all of these different women I had been collecting, and I thought the mini profile form of a newsletter was the perfect way to deliver that. Initially, her newsletter was read by 20 people, mostly friends who gave her positive feedback and encouraged her to develop the current format and tone of the newsletter. But interacting with other people running projects on similar topics helped grow the audience of a woman to know. I have friends who have other newsletter projects or people who maybe have tiny letters as part of other projects that they do. And they ask, you know, this is such a weird space. How do you help your tiny letter break through all of the noise in somebody's inbox? Like, how do you make your tiny letter interesting? How do you make it so that people don't just subscribe, but they open it? And the number one thing that I found was that just being reliable and being consistent was the number one thing that my subscribers really appreciated about my newsletter and the consistency of it and the the reliability of the tone, I think, was really important to my subscribers. And then, again, I really did largely spread my early reach through word of mouth. But the other thing I found was that the biggest jump in my subscribers came from mentions in other newsletters. It's like a really small world of people who who make these newsletters in, in a very like handmade kind of way like I do. You know, not newsletters, they're just auto-generated from, you know, a website or like just like here's all of the places I've been published this week, but are instead like art forms kind of in their own right. Also, when I was mentioned in other people's newsletters, like Two Bossy Dames or Up Talk or, uh, you know, mentioned as a footnote even as like this is, if you like this newsletter, you might also like this one, which is something I do a fair bit in my own newsletter as well, just because, you know, I want to create this world where people are learning more about these women in my newsletter and then also learning about women who are already doing the thing now, who are writing now or coding now or, you know, competing in the Olympics now, like pointing them to contemporary models as well as historical ones. 
Because she already has a collection of names to choose from for her newsletter, Julia doesn't spend a set amount of time every day to produce it, but the bulk of the work goes into the research, providing background reading and relevant links for each woman she profiles. The one thing that takes the most time is the research, because I really care about the writing and the tone and the voice of my newsletter, but I also really want it to be truthful. I really want, when I'm resurfacing a woman's life that had already been left out of history books or like left out of most history educations, I really want to make sure that I'm, I'm doing a service to her in finding the most interesting pieces that are out there about her or finding, you know, maybe the like student documentary that was done about her five years ago that people totally overlooked that needs to be relifted. Or like maybe I'm like, oh my God, this reminds me of that This American Life episode where they were looking at passing as white and mixed race identity. And then I resurfaced that and include that in the newsletter. So the research and the putting together of the biography is the part that takes the most time. Something I really love recently is people attack me on Instagram and just be like, here's a plaque in Boston, had no clue this woman existed. Julia Carpenter, you need to look into this. Or like my mom just showed me this photo in her yearbook. Look at this woman who was the principal of an elementary school for a hundred years. You know, I mean, not really, but yeah. In a way that I do this in a much, much more structured way, I, I just feel like all of my reporting and my writing about women is improved. All of my ideas about women that I bring to work and about women's writing, they're improved. It just benefits me so much from doing this. What I've loved, all of the people who respond with recommendations, people responding and saying, oh, you know who you should feature? This woman uh, who really inspired me on my own career path, or you know who you should feature? This woman from my hometown that we grew up knowing about, but I wish more people would recognize her read. It just makes me happy to read about all of these different kinds of women leading different kinds of lives. That's it for today's episode. If you've considered starting a side project of your own and weren't sure where to start, what to do it on, or how much work goes into it, I hope you found Alex and Julia's tips helpful. Thanks for listening to the journalism.co.uk podcast.